Welcome to C3 Church Tabla. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Some keys to live in fruitfulness in 2.14, the message is. Uh, Let's give it up for our podcast listeners. And um, yeah, and uh, they're listening. They're all over and they're everywhere, the world and Barcelona. And isn't it amazing? You can be speaking here right now and you can be heard on podcasts to the nations of the earth. So we need to, you know, just, ah, that's fantastic. God is doing something amazing in 2.14. And, you know, I mean, let's rest. Let's enjoy this period of resting in Him. But, um, and I know some of you made some New Year's resolutions. And I said last week that if those New Year's resolutions are just in the flesh, they're probably not going to work out. But if you've made New Year's resolutions in God, and and you've said to God, man, I do want to make some amendments in my life. I want to adjust some things. And I do that in the spirit of faith, but to honor you and to glorify you. And I believe if we make these New Year's resolutions in Him in 214, I still right now, I believe this is critical. We're at the first, there's a principle of first in the Bible, and this is the first Sunday of the year, or the first church service, first Sunday for 214. And so I'm really believing by faith that I can get you over the line to believe that you will set some of these priorities I'm about to speak here uh, in motion. And and I'm believing it's going to be a most amazing year. I really believe it's harvest. I really believe it's a time of repositioning yourself and believing for those original promises that you believed in and all that God said to you originally. And they're going to come alive again. And it's the desires of your heart. You know, they're still there. And those dreams, those prophecies that you had... And I really believe with faith that we can reposition ourselves for the sake of the church too, that we can bandy together as a team. And uh, please, I just say thank you for the vision builders. I tell you what, at the 11th hour, we had some monies come in and uh, thank God that, you know, I can really tell people that listen to God uh, because sometimes they give it the right moment at the right time and it's the right amount. (laughs) So thank God and we should just give it up for those vision builders and uh man it's a big challenge what we're doing here you know and and uh and every little bit counts some people don't think their little bit counts but it does and uh, even in their tithe especially in their tithe and um and of course in the vision builders we just say thank god for those people who partner with with c3 tugra and make this place possible amen and we're not in a school hall and we're not in a tent but we're in a building, sound structure for the sake of our ministry. And Candace is sending us a message. Morning, guys. Thinking of you, praying for you. Oh, isn't that sweet? Uh, for today's service, Believing 2.14 will be our best year yet. Whoa! In Candace style, please tell the church. Please tell the church what? I've got to open it right up now. Please tell the church. Uh, please tell the church we send our love. And, and Big Miller Cuddles, 
XXX, love, 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 love Boyd, Candy, and Miller. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> Trust Candace to interrupt the service with a big smile and big love. And so um, I just have to just quote the scripture again, and it's powerful, and I just recommend you take it into 2.14. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do everything through him. Who's him? That's Christ, the anointed one. Christ, the anointed one, who gives me strength. Who's going to give you strength in 2.14? Christ, the anointed one. Christ is your strength. Look to him. Look to him. John 15.5 says it again, and it declares, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you know, like, hello, hanging out with each other, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So every New Year's resolutions, every every, you know, every choice, every decision that you want to make for the betterment of your life, but for the betterment of God's kingdom, please make it in God and get an agreement in Jesus. Say amen to that. Say, Jesus, help me. I want to love my wife more. Help me. Help me. (laughs) It is. Trust me. No, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Let's be honest. You know, nearly 30 years marriage, it's, uh, it can be tough. But it's easy because when you're hanging out in the presence of God like we were all day yesterday, and, uh, and it was great. No TV, kids were out, and uh, we're just hanging in the presence. And, and uh, it's easy to do it in God when it's like that. But um, God is so good. New beginnings, new days, uh, new weeks, new years. But a new day, and... and and, and, the, and the new day, the, the, the day of rest, this holy day, I mean, it's, it's a good day to believe for a fresh new week, a fresh new day of believing all over again for some, that's why we should come to church, and that's why God designed this holy day called the, the rest, the day of rest. We come, we relax, we come out of the woes and worries, the humdrum, the busyness, we come out and we still ourselves and we say, God... All right, that was a good week, but man, I mean, we turned up at Andrew's badminton game. He says he's got this great, you know, every year he wants to hold this badminton game. Uh, What day was it? Uh, He sent all the Texas out and we all turned up and I I think first Ra went down. He's got a busted, and it's probably why he's not here this morning. He's got a busted uh, calf muscle. He's he's limping around like this. And then uh, Evan, uh, our, our boy Evan, he goes on. And he falls awkwardly, and he literally does his back in, uh, carried off the court, uh, has to have time off work, and uh, he still doesn't look great. But, um, and then I go on later, and, uh, and I've come off with a sore toe, and a sprained toe, and, and uh, Andrew, I'm not sure about your badminton game, but, but it's killing everyone. It's killing everyone. First three words in the Bible are, in the beginning, in the beginning, give yourselves Fresh new starts every day, every week, in the beginning. Luke 9.57, I want to read this in context of what I'm about to say. Luke 9.57, I haven't given it to the guys. If you can put it up, that's great, but if you can't, it doesn't matter. Please get your old-fashioned Bibles out. Luke 9.57 to 62, 9.57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So there's a priority thing here. 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So all these responsibilities, all these sentiments of, look, I've got things to do. I'd love to do what you want me to do. I'd love to, I'd love to do that. But still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 62, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service for the kingdom of God. I mean, it's pretty tough that, but it's basically saying, hey, we can come up with all the excuses in the world not to come to church, not to read our Bible, not to give, not to worship, not to have time with the Lord. I think, I think the message of this, this parable or this story is that a lot of us have a lot of responsibilities. And hence, that's why people say, I haven't got time to go to church. I haven't got time to do this. I haven't got time to visit you or, or do this or do that. Their priorities are steeped in these sentiments and, and responsibilities that we all have in life. But I know this to be true. In 2.14, if we put God first, if we put Jesus first, I mean, I'd be away every Sunday if I let everything you know, everything's happening on Sunday. Someone's visiting. Someone wants me. Something happened. And it's amazing. I you know uh, someone comes up from Melbourne and wants to stay. Oh, I have to have Sunday. Oh, oh now something's happened. The antenna man's coming on Sunday. I don't know what he's working on Sunday. But I've got to be there for Sunday. Uh, you know, and oh, I've got to work on Sunday. And, and oh, my footy finals on Sunday. Oh, there's something's on Sunday. You know, it's all happening on Sunday. And if we let that continue to happen, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will start to sort itself out and will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, your life will be maximized. But if you just allow, you know, the world to have its way with you and not treat this holy day as such, it is a holiday, but it's a holy day. It's a day to kick back in God, and chill, man. Some people just do church in the morning, then they get busy. No, the whole day, because the whole, you need to give that day to your family, your wife, you know, you know, you know just coming to church for an hour or so is, is fantastic, but it's really the whole deal for me, the whole day. I learned that years ago. They went, hang on, this is, a, this is a big deal this day. This is the whole day, not just the church service, that when I go home, I'm reading God's stuff, I'm in prayer, I'm reconciling myself to God, but I'm resting in God, which is what it's all about. And, you know, of course, if you... Anyway. Cole, I'm not giving you any excuse. I was going to give you an excuse, but I'm not. Colossians 3.10, New Living Translation says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become what? Like Him. Get to know Him in 2.14 and become like him. So in 2.14, let's resolve this. A couple of, just three thoughts. And I thought this would be really good if we all stepped off and into the same resolves for 2.14. First one is this, uh, resolve to delight in 
you guessed it, the Bible. And it's the best thing that you'll ever do. Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 1. Uh, you can flick it there. Let's just, let's just flick this around a little bit this morning. I'm not going to. This is the best. This, will, this is food to you. This is amazing. Some are beginning. A great new app I've discovered too is the B-I-O-Y. No, it's not bring your own. It's, it's B-I-O-Y. It's, it's an, an app by Nicky Gumbel, uh, the Alpha Course guys. And uh, that app, when it opens up, there's three great, section, three great links in there, uh, devotions for the week, for the day, uh, excellent resource. Please uh, engage in the Word, commit yourself to the Word daily, like, like, hang on, I've signed off on this, I've got to do this, and have something like this uh, wake, awake you or remind you that you need to be in the Word. And there's a couple of great devotions in there, and of course the other one, which I've raved on about in 2.13, is the U version. It's awesome, but that is a great new one. It's called, again, the B, B-I-O-Y. I love this scripture, and it goes like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. This is the Psalms, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Our sister was saying, man, man, I had some friends really get antsy with me, saying, don't walk that way, walk this way. Walk with us to this way. And um, it's going to be tough in these last days to walk this walk. But, you know, God's going to smile on you, as it says in this psalm. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. We're going to get mocked, get used to it too. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord? The law of the Lord, that means the word of God, the word of the Lord. And who meditates on his Lord day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. So you've got fruitfulness in your life. And whose leaf does not wither. Man, your leaves, your life, it's got vitality, it's got life, it's got a smile. Your countenance is good, you're walking through life. But you just got this vitality of life. People are looking at you. Man, what are you on? You on those green smoothies or something? No, man, I'm just, I'm just living in God's presence, you know what I mean? Everyone's drinking green smoothies now. How many people drinking green smoothies in the house? Come on, yeah, yeah, there's about six of them. Yeah, I thought so. And, uh, but you can up, up the ante by in the Word of God, and you'll just find vitality of life, your, your countenance, your smile. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff. I think it does actually allude to, look, you might see them blessed, but actually, not so the wicked, they are like chaff. The wind blows away, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He watches over the way of the righteous. I love that. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Not good. So we can actually see, I think, at times, people seemingly prospering outside of the will of God. But you know what? It's going to amount to nothing. It's going to amount to nothing at the end of the day. I love this. It says in the message, the promise is that if you thrill to God's word, uh, uh, Eugene Patterson says in another uh, section there, he says, chew on Scripture day, on, day and night. He says, actually in verse 2, in the message, your life will be blessed. 
Happiness comes from what happens to you. Happiness comes from what happens to you, but mainly of what God is doing for you and doing to you. I'm happy. Why? Because, man, I feel God. God's blessed me. He's opened doors. He's made a way. He's sorted things out. He's prospering me. Oh, man, how did he know that? Oh, wow, he really does love me. Happiness comes from what happens to you. And that what happens to you is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's, it's, uh, it's so simple, but you've got to know that you're blessed. You, you just can't be going, oh, I'm dutifully knowing and serving God. Just out of duty. Oh, two years, it's tough. Yeah, it'll get me to heaven, I guess. Oh, do I really have to? No, man, you should be. Man, I'm blessed. Why? Oh, all these things are happening. I've got happiness because things are happening to me. What do you mean? Oh, I don't know, but man, he's sorting things out. He's speaking to me. Oh, man, he's blessing me. Oh, finances, health, joy, peace, stuff happening to me. Wow, you must be happy. I am happy. Woo! Not dead in the water. God promises you fruitfulness. We said that. Prosperity. We said that. The key to lasting and ultimately eternal fruitfulness and vitality lies in our relationship with God. If you seek to follow the way of righteousness that this psalm talks about, the Bible says we're assured that we will be blessed and he will smile on us. Thank God for these wonderful promises, I say. Amen? Thank God. You walk in that way, you walk in, his, in the light, and he's smiling on you. You can feel it. Come on. You just, you just need to recognize that and acknowledge that. He loves you. I love what this prophet says, Patricia King says about the Word of God. So the first thing we need to resolve in 2.14 is to delight ourselves in the Word of God. And one of the key ways I'm finding myself into the Word of God, I'd like to say it was through my hard copy, but it's through my smartphone. My phone is so smart, it leads me to God. My phone is very dumb if it leads me from God. If I do too much Facebook and I'm doing too much other stuff, it's very dumb. But if it, if it truly is the smartphone that, that I think it is, I'm just loving it. I'm, I'm running on about three devotions at the moment a day, and I'm just loving partaking of that. And uh, it's awesome. Patricia King, she's a prophet. She says, make the word of God a priority in your life. Let the word define you, not life circumstances or what some man thinks about you or what some person thinks about you, darling. Amen? Let the word of God define you. You're doing it. You're on the right track too. Believe that who the word of God says you are and you are and what the word says you can do and you will do and can do. Three, meditate on the word day and night. And it says, we read it, you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You will bear fruit. Your life will not wither and everything you will... Pri- this, this 2.14 year, man, you're going to bear fruit. Lives are going to be blessed. I can see it. I'm prophesying over you now. Somehow, the people you've been sowing into, they're going to bear fruit. They're going to get saved. They're going to come to church. You're going to bear fruit. The things that you've been sowing into, being diligent in the Word, diligent in God, it's going to bear fruit. You're going to get deliverance. You're going to get healing. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be standing on solid ground. You're going to be in the light of the glory of God. Truly, 
2.14 is our year as we continue to be diligent in the Word of God. Four, spend time with the Lord. And when he highlights a word in the Scripture, I thought this was great. Embrace the Word, believe the Word, and pray the Word. As you pray that promise, you will receive it. Amen? John 15, 7 says, says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So after you've come to the Lord and thanked Him and graciously thanked Him for your life, and, you, and then you can begin to ask for things. Lord, I truly do want to not work on Sundays. I want to come to church on Sunday. Lord, I truly want some good friends around my life. You know, you can ask, but, but just get that thankfulness at the start of it. Five, decree the word into your life and specific areas of your life. Job twenty two twenty eight. 28, I can't remember even quoting this scripture. NIV says, what you decide on will be done and light will shine on your ways. What you decide on will, so you need to decide. You need to decide what will be done and light will shine on your ways. Love that. NASB, New American Standard Bible says, you will also decree a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways, decreeing. I love that. NLT says, you will succeed in whatever you choose to do and light will shine on the road ahead of you. So it's the same scripture, three different versions, what you decide, what you decree, and what you choose. Well, I personally love decreeing things. I love to stand up in my authority of Christ and say, in Jesus' name, we are going to have blessings. In Jesus' name, you will be healed. In Jesus' name, you will prosper. In Jesus' name, I will prosper. I will be blessed. You can do that yourself. You've got to stand up in your authority and exercise your godly authority and declare and decree over your family, especially when all your kids start to go down sick. In Jesus' name, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Devil, back off. Health and blessings are my portion for my family, are our portion for our family. So you've got to exercise it and decree. Choose. Okay, I choose. That's good. But, but you don't want to be too passive. You know, you, you, one day you've got to actually stand up for your life and say, back off, hairy legs. Blessings are mine. Health is mine. Prosperity is mine. Sorry, Andrew. He's looking at his legs now. I love this quote. The Bible was written not to satisfy your curiosity, but to help you conform to Christ's image. Not to make you a smarter sinner, but to make you like the Savior. Not to fill your head with a collection of biblical facts, but to transform your life. Howard G. Hendricks, he's awesome. I'm, I'm amazed when you start to read the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that it, it contextualizes your life. When you start to read it, I mean, I wish I could get people to read the Bible as some people read Harry Potter. I've seen kids standing up bus stops with that thick book, literally standing in the rain, the hail, the snow, and reading this thing, and the bus is coming, but they're not too worried about that. They're just, every word, every page, they must, they must, and, and it's thick, and it's been used. I've seen some of those books the young kids carry. It's used. It's like Billy Graham's Bible. It's used. It's, it's, the pages are falling out of it. What is that? 
Oh, I long for the day when I see people with their Bibles, reading their Bibles, you know, reading them wherever, while the washing machine's washing, while, while, while the husband's doing the washing up, the, the wives are reading the Bible. Sorry. And, uh, come on. But as soon as you begin to read the Bible, listen to me, it contextualizes your life. Meaning it gives, it, gives, it gives parameters to your life. It, it, it gives guidelines, but parameters. And it gives you um, reasons and meaning for the Christian life. If you don't read the Bible, you, it gets shrunk back up into a little, little tiny idea in your head. And you're going, I don't belong here. I don't belong in church. I don't belong in God. I, I, I don't belong. I can't do a connect group. I can't give. I can't pray. I'm not this person, this Christian person. But isn't it amazing when you read your Bible that it contextualizes your life? You go, oh my God, Abraham is my great, 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 great grandfather. We've got to multiply that by a few more than that. That was the thing that happened for me at Bible college. When I went to Bible college, I realized, oh my God, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, they're... They're part of my family. They're in my photo album. They're in my photo. Who's this guy? Joey and Charlie go, who's this guy? Oh, that's my great, 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 great grandfather. Who? Abraham. Oh, let me tell you about him. You know? <laughs> it's awesome. But when you don't read the Bible, you just become this little in, in, insignificant person that believes in this far-fetched idea called God. But when you read the Bible, you end up in the pages. You end up in his story, his story, his story. I love it. And it happens to even pastors. Pastors get, oh, what am I a pastor for? I'm crazy. What have I done? But when I read the Bible, I go, oh, what a most noble cause. What an amazing thing we're involved in. This is amazing. You chose me, God. Oh, I'm completing you, God. Oh, Lord, you love me. Oh, when I read the Bible. When I just live my life on good intentions, I've seen it time and time again, people fall out of church, fall out of, out of, out of the will of God, and, and they're done for. It's a sad thing. Two, resolve to focus on Jesus. Just do that. You'll find, and I haven't got time to go there, but if you went to Matthew straight after the Old Testament, you'll see that the genealogy of Jesus, where he comes from, it comes from a lineage of people from the Old Testament. Some weren't nice people or some weren't uh, righteous people. Check this out. And, and again, the second one we need to resolve, the second thing we need to resolve for 2.14 is to resolve to focus on Jesus. It's not man, it's Jesus. Don't look to man, don't look to these stars and Miley Cyrus and Jay-Z and and buoyancy, or whatever her name is, <laughs> and uh, buoyancy, uh, and uh, and uh, we need to look. We need, we need to look to Jesus. Focus our lives on Jesus. So when you look at the New Testament, it opens with the family tree, and I love this. It includes the adulterous Tamar. In the lineage of Jesus, Jesus comes from these people. The adulteress Tamar, the prostitute Rahab, Ruth, the non-Jewish Moabite, Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, who was conceived after an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, as well as others. Thank God that God uses sinful people. 
And he can use you too. He uses us despite our shortfallings because he is a God. And what does the name of Jesus mean? It means he will save his people from their sin. It actually says that. Who's Jesus? It's one of the first things it says in Matthew. Jesus, what's his name? He will save. The greatest thing that we need in life is not our comfort and, 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 and the prosperity. It's, it's forgiveness. Your friend out there that is separated from God's will, out of church, and just feels, you know, shamed and condemned and awkward when you speak God, when you try and get him to church and they, and they contort and they, and they, and they no, I, I can't go there. I can't go, I can't walk into that light. They feel condemned. They feel shamed. It's true. But thank God the name of Jesus is the savior of our sin. He saves us from our sin. This is the greatest need that mankind has and that we all have to be saved from our sin. I love that. Basically, Jesus turns up and that's it. It's a done deal. As soon as he turns up after the Old Testament, all the prophecies, all that was spoken by Isaiah and all that was said, and uh, it's done. Jesus has turned up. We are fulfilled in him. There's nothing more that can be done. We are fulfilled once we sign off on him, our family, our, our, our finances, our health, all our relationships are all in him and completed in him because he has paid the price, the ultimate price. For some reason, it says the generations in the genealogy, I just thought this was amazing because this might be helpful to some people who love to study the word. There's 14 generations from Abraham to David, then 14 generations from David to the exile, and then from exile to Jesus, there's 14 generations. This is not just happen chance. This is, this is God's plan. God has a brilliant plan set in motion. 14 generations from, from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile, 14 generations from the exile to... This is all one magnificent plan. It's awesome. I love this stuff. Three, let's quickly go there. Resolve to enjoy God's creation. Nicky Gumbel, pioneer of Alpha, says, Genesis gives us theological account of the beginning of the universe. It goes way beyond the scientific theories of how and when this world began. It answers the questions of why and who. It offers a personal explanation more than a scientific one. The scientific explanation does not prove or disprove the theological and personal one. Rather, it is complementary. And as you read the passage through the lens of the New Testament, we, New Testament, we see this, that God is a true in God. So when you see this word Elohim, it's a Hebrew word for God. It's plural. It means, it means God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. And you can see that it was through Jesus the creation came into being and God said, Jesus is the word of God and without him nothing was made that has been made. John 1, 1, 3 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He spoke, that's why the Bible is so uh, important. God spoke and, 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 it, and it released Jesus to create the heavens and the earth. And then this marvelous statement, it says, oh, and then he created the stars. 
like, almost like, oh, and then he just created the stars. And then I saw this fact. Uh, we know that there are probably between 100 and 400 million stars in our galaxy alone, and our galaxy is, is but one of around 100 billion galaxies. He made them all just like that. I can't believe that. That is amazing. The other thing is, and we're talking about, you know, respecting creation. The pinnacle of his creation was human beings. We were made in the image of God, male and female. If you're wondering what God's like, he's, 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 he's you know, look at male and the female, and, and he's both of those. We're made in his image. And, of course, he gave us this incredible, because we're made in his image, he gave us this incredible ability to communicate with God which we need to do. We need to pray. We need to converse. We need to dialogue with God. I think Julie's going to mention that tonight. God approves all that he created. He said, it is good. God created us. We're created beings. It is good. Many people feel they're worthless, insecure, no value. It's our job to say, you are unique. You're made in the image of God. You're special. A lot of people. How many people do you know feel like that they're garbage? But he loves them. They might be playing up, might be doing things that he, he doesn't approve of, but he loves them despite that. He loves them unconditionally, wholeheartedly, continually. He loves them. And we would just write them off. Oh, they're gone. They're, forget them. No, love them. It's just gonna, you're just going to have to exercise more love, forgiveness, acceptance, love, and forgiveness. I t- should talk about work. And the uh, Lord God took the man, 2.5, Genesis 2.5 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work in it and take care of it. So what does that mean? Work's cool. Work is not a part of the fall. Work is good. God instituted work, and, and work is a blessing. And we should go into 2.14 realizing that, that, that work is good. Tending to your little garden, Andrew. That's good. Tending to your home the garden of your home, your atmosphere and stuff. That's good. Going to work, Luke, and doing what you do is good. We actually worship God through that because that has what has God assigned to us, to work. It's good to work in the church because that cultivates God's kingdom, not only here but out there. Right now, we're tending a garden. This place could grow up with weeds and just become just vacant and barren, and, but we're tending this garden of Eden when we're pushing that Garden of Eden out, out, out into the cities, out into our community. Don't you love it? The other thing is rest. Rest is not an option. It's what God did. He rested. Verse 2. It's a holiday. I said that. Special blessing. God blessed the seventh day. And he said, I want you to rest. I want you to be refreshed. I want you to recharge spiritually. This day of day of rest is, I believe, important. And I'm nearly done. So what are we saying? We're saying the day of rest is God's holy day, a day of taking time out of your busy schedule. Don't work all the time. Rest. A lot of people, even on Sunday, they come to church, but they're still pressed up against their work. They're still holding the glass. That's what stress is. Stress is continually holding a responsibility up in your hand. Even when you go to sleep at night, you're still holding it. You wake up, you're still holding it. You do that week in, week out, but you do that month in, month out, you're going you're gonna to go, you're going to have serious consequences. Amen? You got to put it down. You got to rest on the Sabbath, the holy day. Spiritually recharge yourself. 
all day, not just for one and a half, what, you know, drive through Maccas. Oh, give me one and a half uh, hours of, of rest, please. And, and, oh, give, me, give me a thick shake uh, smoothie, lay your hands on, bless me too. I'll have one of those. And you come through church, boom, bang, bang. Yeah, boom. Oh, yeah, boy, I'm really, wow. Like a dry cleaner service. I'm supposed to come, abide in God, rest, be at peace, rest in God. Done, I know. Rest in God. The other thing he says, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden. But there's one tree I don't want you to eat of, the tree of good and evil. God doesn't want us to partake of evil. He doesn't want us to know about evil. He just wants us to partake of good. Be careful what you look at. As someone put, uh, someone Facebook this morning, someone being eaten by a shark, I don't know. I just delete that. I don't, I don't want to see a man get eaten by a shark. Do you want to see someone get eaten by a shark? Oh, this is gra- graphic. This is, this is, this will change your life forever. And I didn't say that. It just says, oh, terrible news, man eaten by a shark. And he was literally in the jaws of a shark. I said, I don't think so. Dude, I don't need that. Be careful what you take in. Tree of good and evil. God, God actually said to mankind, I don't want you to partake of this, of this evil stuff. You don't need it. I don't want you to see it. Mankind was so grieved that after World War II, a lot of people became silent because it was so heinous, so horrible, the crimes against mankind. Some men never spoke about it until they got, you know, in their 70s, 80s, and even 90s, like my father never spoke about the war. He was so disgusted with mankind's, mankind's uh, depravity of turning on themselves and killing themselves. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that was a good thing, that they just didn't even talk about it. But we love to talk about wretched stuff, perverse stuff. And not only that, we put it up on Facebook and, 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 and brag about it. Look at this, some, somebody killed. Look at that disgusting thing. Look at, no, no, thank you. I don't want to partake of that. I want to partake of the tree of life, which is Jesus, amen? That's how he designed it. That's what we need to do in 2.14. Let me pray this. Father, Lord, thank you that this universe is not a result of chance. It's designed by you, Lord God. It is your good creation. Help us to love your creation, including our friends and neighbors. As Rod was saying, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, but love your neighbor. Love these people that are around our life. We can get so, we can get so redeemed and so sanctified that we, we push back on all these other people that haven't found Christ and obviously have problems. Amen. Let's include them. Let's be inclusive. And there's a way to do that. It's not looking down on them, but it's loving them, being inclusive. Lord, help us to treat every human being with dignity as every person created is in your image. Help us to see our jobs as a source of blessing and part of your good creation. Lord, help us to enjoy the rest that you intend us to give, to keep well away from evil and to enjoy all the good things that you have given us to enjoy. Folks, I'm believing for your family and mine to be blessed in 2.14. Father in heaven, let's just stand. We stand in your presence, Lord God. We need your word. We need your word in 2.14.
We need your word. We need to partake of it. We need to appreciate it. We need to meditate on it. I pray, Lord, right now. Here we go. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. I pray for the anointing to come upon your minds and your hearts and your lives. That you would be compelled to draw the word to yourself. To pick up the word of God. To allow yourself to be invested into it. Invest your life, your time into the Word of God. Lord Jesus, right now, I just pray that every hindrance, every barrier, every blockage, every single thing that is stopping this church and anyone hearing this message from reading the Word of God, from finding themselves in it, from finding their identity in Christ, from finding their best life in you, God. I just pray right now an anointing, a fresh anointing would come upon you, that you would be compelled to partake of the Word and to eat the Word of God, to meditate on it, to chew on it, to delight yourself in the Word of God, to delight yourself in the Word of God so that the Lord can smile on you and bless you all the days of your life and prosper you. Anything you touch will prosper and your leaves will be vibrant and give fruit and you will be a blessing. Lord, I pray that you, I would see you, Jesus. In 2.14, I pray this church would see Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews, but we see Jesus. It actually says that, but we see Jesus. Through all the dark clouds, through the through the heartache of life, through all the struggles, through the valleys. Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see you glorious, all-powerful, wonderful, all-loving, the lover of my soul. Jesus, I want to see you as my Redeemer, Kingsman Redeemer. You are my Lord, my Savior, my King, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You are my God. Paid a dear price for my life. And Lord, I, I value that. I honor that. I'm 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 in awe of that, Lord God. I I just look to you every moment of the day and I look to you as my Savior. Let my spirit commune with you. Let my heart commune with you. Let my life walk in tune with you all the days of my life. And thirdly, creation. I honor your creation, Lord. Lord, speak to me through your creation. Lord, you show yourself through creation. Your glory is visible. The Bible says man is without excuse because he shows his glory through all creation. It says in Romans chapter 1, Lord, speak to me through creation. Speak to me through the things that you created. But Lord, I honor my fellow man. I honor my my neighbor, my brother and sister. I I honor them, Lord. They're made in your image. I, I honor these people that, Lord, are around my life. Thank you for work, Lord God. Bless my working days. Bless the work of my hands in 2.14. Bless it in Jesus' name. May I prosper in everything I do. And Lord, may I find rest on that day as you rested from making this, this world and earth and the stars and the universe. May I find rest on your Sabbath day in 2.14. May I still my life before you in your presence and on behalf of my family, and my, my, my church, Lord, help me find rest in you. I want to find rest in you and the people of God. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.